Hey everyone, it's Guillaume from Startup Basecamp. Welcome to Tech for Climate podcast. During the show, you will have the opportunity to meet the best climate tech founders, investors, experts from Silicon Valley and around the globe. They will share with you their stories and personal journey in this growing industry, giving you some insights on the ecosystem to hopefully help you to take part in the climate change fight and benefit from the opportunities that it can also represent. The podcast is divided in two small interviews. During the first part, you will get to know our speaker, their perspective on the climate crisis and how climate tech is changing the game. The second part of the talk will be for all members of the community who will learn from the speakers their secret sauce on how to, sharing with you their unique expertise on various topics as fundraising, management, strategy, and so on to help you to become a better leader in your field. Let's go for the show. Hi, everyone. In today's episode, we had the chance to sit with Heidi Lindvall, general partners at Pale Blue Dot, for a great conversation around her inspiring story, the genesis and the mission of the 100 million fund tool which at the time they launched it, they were the first climate focus fund in Europe. During the talk, Heidi will also give you more insight on their investment thesis, how do they select and support companies, and what they seek in founders they invest in. In the second part of the show, Heidi will give you valuable insights on how to successfully pitch to investors, she will also cover how to define your KPI in order to raise your next venture round. And finally, Heidi will share her knowledge and extensive experience on how to invest in climate tech funders at the early stage. She will conclude the talk by giving her secret sauce to keep a great work-life balance while being at the forefront of the climate fight. Heidi, welcome to the show. Heidi, welcome to the Tech for Climate podcast. Uh, so we're super excited to have you uh, here today uh, with us. Um, you have a great uh, and a very interesting uh, story uh, as, as an investor and uh, would like to, uh, you know, before we, we start uh, going into uh, Pale Blue Dot and how you guys are, uh, are going on that side, would love to, uh, to hear a little bit more about uh, your story, uh, your background, and um, maybe the, the, the why uh, behind uh, your move into the, the climate tech uh, space uh, and how you started uh, Blue Dot with your uh, two other co-founders. Great. Well, thanks so much for having me, first of all. Um, yeah, happy to give you that story. I'll, I'll try to do it in short. It's actually a pretty long, complex story, but, but I'll try to do it in a, in a short amount of time. So um, my background is actually in kind of human rights and journalism. I used to travel around the world making documentaries on social and global issues. Um, and, you know, I really wanted to work on the ground and really wanted to try to figure out, you know, what are the big problems that we're facing as humanity and how can we actually solve them? Um, and I ended up uh, getting perhaps a little bit disillusioned with, you know, how hard it is to, to solve these problems on the ground and how we needed kind of bigger forces that play, you know, we needed capital and we needed regulations and, and, and uh, a lot of, a lot of other things. Um, so I actually ended up going into tech. 
which was perhaps a bit of strange uh, uh, move at the time. Um, but I kind of realized that we could use technology to solve a lot of the problems and, and tech could really help and it wasn't always accessible to people who needed it the most. Um, so I, I went into tech, started building, building a few companies, really wanted to be more part of the solutions. Um, and um, from that, I, I have kind of moved upwards and realizing that you know, you have more power with more capital and that's when you can really figure out where or when you can really be part of decision-making of where capital is kind of um, shifted towards. Um, so that's kind of when I started mo moving from first building a few startups in, in kind of London, Silicon Valley and Berlin. Then I went on to the accelerator side and helped startups that mainly impact startups to build great companies and really just, you know, learned a lot about and as well as... Uh, Hopefully we're help, able to help quite a few as well and then kind of moving more towards investment. So, you know, a long answer to your question, but I think for me, it has always been about impact and it's always been about, you know, where you can have the biggest impact. And at the moment, you know, climate is the biggest problem that we are facing as a humanity and it is the most urgent problem that we have so it, it was logical in a way to go this way i've always tried to figure out what where can i do the most and this is a way where i felt like i could use my skills and my background and my talents um, to be part of the solution so that's where we started the fund um yeah <laughs> that, that's fantastic and but maybe tell me a bit more like then uh about uh bill blue dot At first, uh, the name. I think uh, it's it's always interesting to to know how people choose the name uh, behind the fund, behind the company, and then yeah. how did you uh, you know uh, connect and, and start to to build this relationship with your uh, with your co-founders, uh, and then maybe we can move into your uh, investment thesis about uh, uh, with Pale Blue Dot. Sure. So um, we actually decided to start investing together before we had decided to do climate only. And I think that will often comes as a surprise to people because they assume that most people come in saying, I want to do something climate. And then they think what they do. And for us, it was, you know, it was always going to be on the impact investment side. But then to only do climate was kind of a specific choice that we made afterwards. But I had worked at this time, I'd worked together with one of my co-founders, Joel, kind of side by side for the past three years, building an accelerator. And I had worked together with Humpus, my third co-founder, um, you know, for a bit. He had been helping me back in the days when I was running startups. And, uh, and we kind of had uh, lunches together every third week, just trying to figure out what's needed for the ecosystem and just trying, trying to understand where we could essentially help. And, and then we started talking about doing a fund together because we had we were running a microphone together with Joel Humpus was already working at VC and, and we felt like maybe we should do something together, something locally uh, here in kind of Malmö in Sweden. Uh, and we wanted to figure out where we have the most impact. Um, and, and then... Um, you know, when, when kind of climate came up, if, if it made complete sense. And I have to mention that this is before people were kind of talking about climate tech as such a concept that has become now. Um, at that time, there weren't really any climate tech funds out there. You know, people were still kind of a bit worried because of clean tech and And, um, you know, we, we kind of had an idea that money was starting to be shifted that way, but people weren't really talking about it. This was like two years ago. So everything has happened very, very quickly in, uh, within this movement. Um, so, yeah, we decided to say that maybe we should start the first, uh, as, as we knew, is uh, Climate Tech Fund in Europe. And, and then we just did that. And, and it ended up being very fast for us to raise money. We had so much interest. We ended up 
uh, kind of oversubscribing our first close and and um, yeah, everything's gone super smoothly from there there words there onwards. Um, <laughs> and and uh, hold on, you had another specific question that I've already forgotten. No, um, no worries. It was about uh, how did you guys choose the, the name Pale Blue Dot? Uh, oh, Pale Blue Dot. And then uh, related to the, the investment thesis, uh, more specifically uh, in itself. Yeah. So in terms of the name, um, I mean, we were we were kind of playing with the idea of just calling ourselves the kind of climate tech fund of Europe. And we, you know, we that's kind of what we were in a lot of the paperwork, which funnily enough, I think now there's a few other climate funds and climate tech funds and stuff. But but at the time, there weren't really any. So we kind of said, should we just be the climate tech fund? Um, but what I think we, we wanted to find a name that says something about our values and say something about why we're doing this without us having to explain it. Like we had wanted to kind of find a name where then people know it, they know, and they kind of already get what we're about. So for those who don't know, uh, you should definitely Google what Pale Blue Dot is. It's a photograph taken of the earth, I think back in 1990 from the Voyager, where you see the world is just a pale blue dot. And then Carl Sagan made a really famous speech also called the Pale Blue Dot, where essentially it's a great speech, you, you should look it up, but essentially saying that everyone that you've ever loved is on this tiny pale blue dot and, and everything that's ever existed. And, and it really is just, you know, our greatest responsibility as humanity to take care of this home, the only home we've ever known. I'm now obviously not directly quoting him. I, I don't know it by heart, even though I feel like I should. Um, but but that's essentially what it is. And, and there's a book as well called The Pale Blue Dot. There's a lot of material around this. And I think the great thing with the name is that so many people come to us and just say, I love the name. Like, I already know what you're about. And uh, then there's a lot of people who say pale blue, blue dot, pale green dot. <laughs> there's a lot of people also who don't get it. And then there's a little bit confused what dot it is. But I think it's one of those things that when you know, you know. And, and uh, yeah, it says quite a lot about how we look at the world. I'm a big fan anyway, but uh, about the name, I think it's uh, it's really uh, spot on and uh, and very uh, I mean very meaningful as well. So I think it's uh, it's very exciting. Um, tell me a bit more about the, the your investment thesis and um, and let let us know maybe a bit more about like uh, you know uh, what makes a great company for 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 Pale Blue Dots. Like how do you guys? I mean, like what type of uh, check size you, you write usually? I know that you are going more like after like seed, pre-seed uh, companies as well. Um, so tell me a bit more about like the uh, the, the specifics of your investment thesis. Sure. So we're currently a 53 million euro fund, but we are actually doing a second close tomorrow. <laughs> so we're going to end up, uh, we'll find out what happens. And, and uh, you know, there'll probably be some press around it, but we will end up being around 80 million euro uh, fund. And uh, we invest in pre-seed and seed stage companies around Europe and the US. So our ticket sizes are generally between 200,000 euros and 2 million euros. Our sweet spot is to lead seed rounds. So it's about 1 million euros. Um, mm -hmm. and, in, and in terms of our thesis, um, we look at companies in kind of three categories, companies that reduce um, the kind of effects of climate change, reverse the climate change, as well as help us prepare for a new world. Um, so those are kind of th three things we look at. And it is still super wide. Uh, it's mainly tech. So it's mainly software, um, but mm -hmm. there is some deep tech as well. We can look at hardware, but generally we want to see that it's, you know, scalable business models. And of course, as we're early stage investor, um, you know, we do pretty small tickets. So something where we kind of get a meaningful ownership. Um, and by that, I mean around 10% ownership um, when we invest. 
So, so also kind of depends on how, how high the kind of needs are of the company. But it's, I would definitely say that there's a difference with kind of climate tech and clean tech. That a mm -hmm. lot of the things that are kind of really clean tech, renewable energies, you know, huge infrastructure that needs to be set up and, and, and huge capex costs are things that are very hard for us to do. So we tend to lean more towards the kind of software that enables, um, you know, change uh, within climate climate change, for example. So, mm -hmm. um, but it is, you know, we are, we're three GPs who all are entrepreneurs at heart. Uh, yeah. And I think we run the fund a little bit like that. Like, of course, it is a professional VC fund, but we are also pretty flexible. And there are no, you know, super hard rules that we stick by. Uh, we're trying to figure out where we can make the most impact and where we can back the best founders. Cool. Um Maybe I mean um, in congratulation of uh, you know for, for hopefully tomorrow everything will go uh, as planned, um, but um, it means that you guys it already like a series of uh, investment. Uh, so maybe if you can give us like uh, uh, one or two example of your uh, previous investment and what made uh, what made them like special those those company. Why did you guys choose to to invest in them? I mean, is it about the team, the market, the technology, uh, and Maybe is there any uh, criteria in terms of uh, impact? Uh, do you guys have like any threshold in terms of uh, uh, CO2, CO2 removal or like, uh, you know, what is the, uh, or maybe any social impact as well? So how do you, uh, how mm -hmm. do you measure that? Uh, because I think that's always like uh, the, the challenge in the space. Um, yeah. You know, it's like uh, sometimes people would say, my company is uh, powered by AI, but what does it mean behind that? Uh, and I think yeah, uh, exactly. I feel in, in terms of uh, impact and CO2, uh, CO2 can be very measurable, but uh, in terms of impact, it's uh, always more, uh, more difficult. So if you can uh, give us a, a bit more context on that, thank you. Sure. Um, so one of the companies that we invested in is, uh, is called Hack Your Closet. They're mm -hmm. a Swedish company that essentially, you know, that it has an app and a subscription for clothing. So essentially, it's like a, a, a curated box of clothes that you get sent to you every month. So you add your data, almost like a kind of a Tinder thing where you say, I like this, I don't like this, I like this, I don't like this. And then based on that data, they curate a box for you of four items that they send to your home. Um, and then every month you get a new box. And, and, uh, and I think it's a really smart way of just getting people to stop consuming and, and just stop, start renting. And they only used uh, waste materials. So essentially all of the, all of the uh, clothing come from overstocks, from brands, or from kind of secondhand uh, shops or retailers. So, so, you know, super smart business model. Um, they have over thousand subscribers and they've just launched in France as well. And I think with Hacky Closets, of course, the clear thing here is to stopping stop consumption and 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 trying to um, light, you know prolong the lifetime of these clothing items. Uh, at the moment, uh, waste like textile waste is a huge problem. Uh, a lot of companies still incinerate their clothes, uh, which is obviously a terrible for the environment. Just overproducing is terrible in the first place. Um, you know, they end up in landfills. The ones that aren't. Um, aren't used and and we obviously have a very terrible uh you know way we have to very very terrible fast fashion habits here in the, in the western countries especially so so um yeah that's essentially what they're trying to fix and in terms of the impact yeah like i said it's it's of course it's of course uh, changing consumer habits and it's about uh, prolonging the lifetime of, of clothing um and another example that i can give is for a company called uh, surplus Mm -hmm. which is a marketplace for recyclable plastics. 
So they work with the kind of waste owners and then the recyclers and connect them. So you have X amounts of plastic waste and then there's a recycler who can actually create something something out of or, or could actually recycle it. And then they will also work with the kind of producers who will then produce something out of it. So it's essentially a very, very fragmented market where they're connecting all of the different parties. And of course, this is about there's a lot of regulations coming in in terms of plastic and how you can use plastic and, and how we need to eliminate plastic waste and how and hopefully it will become much more or much harder to create new virgin plastics. So they're really trying to enable the recycling recyclable plastic markets. Um, and then to go to your question in terms of impact measurement, I mean, we don't have any specific targets. And it is because some companies, I mean, if we think about the fact that we do reverse, reduce and prepare for a new world, not all of those have very clear uh, carbon emission uh, reduction targets, for example. So in some places, it's super easy to say, okay, you know, this is how much carbon is saved when you rent an item of clothing versus um, purchasing one. Those are pretty easy calculations. But then for some of our companies, it is much more complex than that. So what mm -hmm. we do is we set up KPIs with each company specifically to try to figure out like what are the KPIs that you should be measuring and where is the real impact. What we don't want to have is people just kind of making up certain uh, great CO2 numbers because it kind of it could be correct um, when they're such at such an early stage that it isn't really easily measurable. So instead, we try to figure out that what kind of targets can we set now um, and, and how can we kind of you know, work, work on those and Im improve those in time. Um, and in terms of how we do it, we have these ESG scorecards that we send to the companies. Mm -hmm. we, we have a climate pledge that we ask each company to take. And part of that, they have to figure out their KPIs and they have to also figure out what SDGs they're working for towards, so, for example. So we work a lot with them on the impact and the measurement side, but we kind of have mm -hmm. our own system at the moment. Okay. Um, so maybe you can tell me a little bit more about like uh, when... Um, I would say like at the stage of like before making your, your, your decision of uh, investing into a, into a company. So how do you validate like uh, the technology that uh, they're using or developing or putting in place? Because I mean, um, clearly for some uh, pure software, uh, it can be more like marketplace and in a way you need to find, you know, like uh, both sides of the equation. But when you go into more, uh, sometimes more, uh, maybe deep tech or it can be more way more complicated uh, than that so how do you measure this this uh, do you rely on any like network of uh, scientists maybe or how do you measure maybe the, the, the opportunity as well how, how do you guys do that yeah, so, so first of all, I mean, doing research is a big part of what we do. Um, we kind of have collated, collected our own kind of research library that we're working on. We have at the moment an intern working kind of research and inside, and we are doing our, our first kind of permanent hire on the research in the research space as well to have someone who will literally just support us with research. So whenever we have a new industry or a new category or some just a new business model that we haven't really looked at before we'll have our research to really go into the space and and we have a lot of material that we also share with a lot of other investors uh, around what we've done already thus far so so research is a big part of what we do uh, in terms of then how we actually validate it we do have a kind of network of people help us with due diligence and i mean when we first started the fund we set up our kind of advisory board like climate advisory board of people and some of them are all really helpful but then we noticed that you know there's so many different industries and it's so different and what kind of help you need for each due diligence for each company that we always just try to reach out to our network and figuring out who can help with that and sometimes of course the tech dd itself isn't 
super difficult. I mean, both mm-hmm. Hampus and and Joel, my two partners, have a technical background, and you know, if it's if it's just kind of SaaS product or marketplace, they can do quite a lot of that themselves. But but we do have a lot of kind of deep tech uh, solutions that we look into as well that require you know really experts in that area, and that's when we kind of reach out to the network. So. It really depends. We don't have a system every time we have a decision meeting or when we kind of get close to, or when we have kind of a fund engage meeting, we decide that we're all going to engage. We try to list what we need in, ter- mm-hmm. in, or in terms of confidence um, for that specific deal. And then we kind of reach out to those people who can help us uh, provide that level of confidence. Yeah. And in terms of decision making, I can just add, I can just add that we, we decide on majority. So so, you know, two out of three, essentially. And uh, yeah. we have like a gold star thing as well. So if someone really, really likes it, they can push it through even without <laughs> the support. Fantastic. Um, regarding all of those um, all of those deals, uh, how do you source them? And, and uh, do you also like uh, co-invest with, uh, with other funds? Or how, how does it work? Like, is there any like level of uh, collaboration uh, starting bit by bit now in the, uh, in the ecosystem? Um, t- tell me a bit more about that. Yeah. So in terms of deal sourcing, at the moment, it's a bit of everything. I mean, we, we, we go to demo days. We, um, you know, we, we read what's out there. We uh, try to be pretty active within these kind of networks. Uh, and, and really kind of get out there and, and you know, talk on panels, et cetera. We, of course, go to accelerators. Um, and we get quite a lot of cold inbound as well. So we are also, one of the things we haven't done so much on, but we're going to work a lot more on is our branding and really just kind of getting out there as a brand so that mm-hmm. we would get more kind of uh, cold inbound as well. And I think it's really important for us that we are not the type of fund that only take warm intros. Um, we are very much the kind of fund where you can see all of our emails on our on our website. There's a form on our website where you can just submit your pitch and we will you know, email every single, one of the GPs will email every single candidate back. So for us, it's really important to be super approachable. And, and mm-hmm. you know, we're a small fund, like we can we can do that. So so at the moment, yeah, I mean, we get some from my network. We get a lot of, we do kind of get a lot of co-investment opportunities. I think the great thing for for uh, in our position is that we, you know, we want often around ten, about 10% of a seed round, which means it's about half of the round, which means that we always want to co-invest with other great people. So we do have a lot of co-investors that we're speaking with both in Europe and in the US um, who we regularly have updates with. And we always try to figure out the best match whenever we invest in a company. And, and then we try to bring others on board as well. And then, then of course they do the same. So we get other deals that same way. So I think that's really important to have that level of collaboration. And we actually went down in our ownership targets a bit in order to collaborate even further. Cause I think the strongest rounds are the ones where you can have multiple great investors who can, who can help in different things. So for mm-hmm. us, it's not important to kind of own the whole thing, but more important to collaborate. Yeah, especially especially at um, you know early stage, I think uh, if other funds, other uh, partner can also bring, you know, the network and uh, and experience and and all of that, it really matters for for founders at uh, at that stage, just for sure. Um, can you tell me a bit more about uh, you know your your decide to invest with those uh, those founders and then uh, what happened after? Do you guys have like uh, any support that you offer to your portfolio founders. Um, I would say like, you know, nowadays more and more we hear like, uh, you know, people saying that uh, 
you need to definitely choose and get, you, in a way you get married with your with your investors but uh, more and more like uh, now founders are also starting to cherry pick which uh, partners in in a firm they want to work mm. with um, and in a way which firm as well is like it's not about just like uh, the, the, the capital that sounds to be more and more available on the market but it's more about like uh, what is this relationship and and what uh, especially at the early stage what the, the the fund or the GP uh, will you know, bring to my company and, and, and help me to increase the, the, the odds of success. Mm. Yeah, no, it is definitely a really important thing that what we do afterwards. And I think we are very active investors. Um, the important thing here is that we, we have all been entrepreneurs. We've all built multiple companies. We've all built kind of accelerator and support organizations before building or, and this is also not any of our first investments experience. So I think we all have done similar things and have kind of a longer career in this, which means that we can help uh, on a, in a lot of different things. And what we tend to do with our companies is that we do a, we do a sync with each company every two weeks. Uh, so we have different leads. So of course, not all of us sync with each company, but we we lead in, on our own deals. And, and then we sync with those every two weeks and try to figure out, you know, what is happening? Where, where, where can we help? Sometimes it's more about kind of coaching the founders and really just being there for them. Uh, sometimes it's a, super specific that like you help them with recruitment or with fundraising um, or with uh, just kind of financial modeling or product uh, and it really it really depends on the founder and it really depends on um, how far they've gotten in terms of what we help them with I think the great thing is for example Joel and I have run an accelerator together I run another accelerator before that and I mean we have so much just knowledge and resources mm -hmm. on 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 a lot of things that uh, you know a lot of people take for granted and a lot of companies that pre-seed or c-stage companies maybe haven't gone through an accelerator and they you know might miss some of those things that that could really help them accelerate faster and just some of the knowledge and some of the network and I think a lot of those you know we can at this early stage we can kind of help fill those gaps uh, with what we have so and uh, people tend to uh, choose us because of our kind of value alignment because we're kind of founders ourselves and because of course we care about climate we care about impact we care about diversity you know we're trying to essentially back the best teams and help them solve the biggest problems that we have so that's a, it's a really big part of what we do and we're actually at the moment it's been just the three of us kind of helping all of, us, all of our companies but we are recruiting someone a kind of portfolio manager who can help even further so that we could help with further recruitment and just with kind of collating uh, more material that is relevant for all of our companies, et cetera. So, so we're going to work even more on trying to figure out what value we can provide. That's fantastic. Um, thank you so much for uh, sharing all of those uh, super cool uh, insights. <laughs> cool. Thank you so much, Heidi. It was a, a pleasure speaking with you. Uh, thank you so much for, for your time. Uh, very inspiring. Thank you for having uh, me. Very insightful as well.